one is this, the whole streaming thing. Uh, there is, there are some moms out there that want to belong to the confraternity and they don't have any chapter, so they are not able to come to the talks or, or to join in the conversations and all those things. And that's why I'm uh, struggling to try to get this to work. The other thing is also, um, usually you would do this part, the praying and all those things, you would do it in the church, and the priest is talking in the church, and that's where you do the whole thing. Um, as I've said before, I don't do that first because of this whole project. It would be kind of not very fitting for the church that I'm with the computer there trying to mess up things, putting a camera up in the sanctuary. Maybe I'll do it in the future if I find a good way to do it. And the other reason is what I've mentioned before several times. I'll leave the door open, actually. That uh, I do want to have a conversation. I want people to be able to ask questions, which, again, in the church, it's, it's not very nice to, you know, raise your hand and be yelling to the priest from the back pew, like, hey, I have this question. So that's, that's why I do this like that. What I need to organize better, and I promise next time send me an email or something, you know, tell me, Father, you've said this several times and you never do it. I need to give you more time for breakfast. That's <laughs> <laughs> and I always realize that only on the, several, on the same day, I think to myself, ah, you need to give them at least 20, 30 minutes. So, uh, I don't want to like take a lot of your time, but raise your hands if you think it's a good idea to give you like 30 minutes for breakfast and then, is that okay? All right, because that's, that's nice to socialize as well. You know, you want to socialize and, and have a time to talk. So I hope that's good. I'm gonna ask a question here real quick, just to see if they can see us. I'm a very big amateur in this. Another thing is this, you know, we will cover more religious topics, you know, like meditation, all those things. I think that's interesting. Uh, right now, I'm focusing a lot on the practical stuff, even though a lot of you perhaps don't have to deal with this anymore. You know, if you don't have toddlers uh, or things like that, or rather children at that age. But, uh, <laughs> but I do want to focus on the practical part because I want to get this done for the young mothers that are, you know, still in this process so that they have it. And then once we cover like all the basics, then we'll go into more, more in-depth stuff. I want to suggest something here and, uh, okay, it's working. I want to suggest that you take notes of, of these things. I'm not saying that the talk is going to be the best talk in the world. But, you know, feel free to grab your phone or whatever, and if you get an idea that you go like, oh, this is something I've never thought of, or this is something that I need to pay more attention to, take notes. That's what I did in my spiritual retreat. That's the one thing I use my phone for, just to note down the things that I want to remember in the future. Just make sure that... No, we're not texting. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm saying it, because you might not do it because it's like, mm, I don't want him to think that I'm in Facebook or something. <laughs> And that happened once we were having a practice with the bishop and we were like in the sanctuary and I, I think it was me, I didn't have notes. I didn't have any notepad, so I just grabbed my phone and I started. And the bishop was looking at me like, <laughs> I'm taking notes. Okay, today I wanna to talk then about a topic that is, might be controversial, feel free to object because again, I'm not a mother, but uh, it's very important, and that would be the correction of children. And I say that it's controversial because there's going to be very different opinions. Every person has different ways to do it. That's totally fine. I'll explain why. But I do want to give you some guidelines, you know, some, some basic rules that we need to keep. Education, as I said in one of the podcasts, 
education has, you could say, three processes. One is instruction, when you're telling your child what they need to know. That's not the most important one. Society today makes it the most important one. When you go to school, that's all they focus on, instruction, giving you information. But that's just the beginning. After instruction comes correction, which is when your child is acting upon that information or without that information, you correct and you change that. Most of the times we focus on these two and we miss, uh, we forget the third one, which I call training. And training we don't do usually because it takes a lot more work, a lot more thinking. And uh, I think most mothers do it intuitively. Is that a word? Yeah. Yes, yeah. thank you. I'm putting your English at, in the test here. <laughs> I think most mothers do it, you know, by intuition, but, uh, but a lot of times we don't. A lot of times we tell the child or the young man, you're not supposed to do this, this, and that, and that. You're punished. And he goes, bam, door slammed. And, and you never go to say, this is how you answer. And you're going to do it with me. D Dad, I'm sorry, this and that. Dad, yes, Dad, yes, sir. I'm going to do what you told me right now. That part of training, the positive part, is the part that we missed. Uh, to give an example, it's like you have the car. Your child is a car that is running all the time, constantly in his life, right? He, he, you're not going to stop that car. It's like he's running. What you do as a parent is you correct. The correcting is kind of like slowing it down and saying, no, this way, you're not supposed to go this way. And then maybe you'll sway to the other way. Training is that. Training is when you grab the child and you say, no, you start going this way over here now. And you take them to the lane that they're supposed to be at. So this is going to be a long topic, I think, maybe, I don't know. Right now, in this class, I do want to talk about correction itself. Instruction, I think, is fairly known. We don't need to know much. We will cover it. Uh, training, we will cover it in the future. But correction, I want to talk about. Any questions so far? No? Okay. There are three faculties of the soul, as I mentioned in that podcast too, that, that your child has that you need to address. One is the memory, which is, the memory, we can reduce it to just memories, but no, memory is more the perception of the world and oneself. Like the whole perception that you have. And that sometimes needs correction too. You know, a person might have a very negative perception of the world or of oneself. They don't think of anything. They don't do any actions, perhaps, but that general idea that we could call the memory needs to be changed sometimes. I won't go into that today. The other one is the intellect, the ideas that my child has, you know, the, the things that he's learning, the things that he comes up with, those are also need to be corrected sometimes. I won't go into that today. Today I want to go into the most basic stuff, the one that you have to deal with all the time, which is the will. Your act, the actions of your child, his desires or her desires, and how we correct those things. I'm gonna, I, I'm, I hope this talk is not going to be too long, but I want to say to, to give you a few guidelines of when you have to correct your child. And, and these, I think, are going to be useful, but I, I do want to point this out. You have two, I would say that there is two different aspects when you're raising children. You have to be one way when they're children, before the teenage years, and then you totally have to switch gears when it's teenage years. That's a totally different aspect. The way you raise them, the way you correct them, 
changes somehow. And most of you that have gone, you know, already there, you know that. I remember this, this happened to me. I was uh, helping a child. I was kind of raising him myself because he was brought to the border house and his parents were not here in the country. And he didn't speak in English, so it was only me that, that basically stood all the time with him. I remember vividly when he turned 13. <laughs> like vividly, because he was like, he had been so easy to work with, you know, so obedient, no problems whatsoever, totally understood whatever I said to him. I, I, I kid you not, in two weeks, there was a change. Like, there was, something happened, and then the, the week after, I was like, where'd that come from? You know, the yelling and the getting angry and you don't understand me and this doesn't work. It's like, all right, okay. So you know that that happens. Having said that, a few rules to correct and this, these rules will apply in most cases. The first one is, when we correct our child, we should make sure that there is no passion inside. Yeah, right, Father. <laughs> <laughs> I know that this is the real life, but what I'm saying is, especially with young children, uh, we'll talk about teenagers too, but with young children, you know, when they do something and it really gets you angry, you got to make sure that you hold it back, wait, cool off, and then punish them or, or correct them. Yeah, no, seriously, I will talk about that. You do punish, and, and that's important. Uh, but that's how you do it. You go and, and chill off, you cool down, and then you come and, and very... This is a business thing. It's like you're saying, okay, this happened, you did this, it's wrong, I told you not to do it, you're gonna get spanked. What should, and, and I remember my grandmother used to say this. She would say, what should I do now? <laughs> uh, you should spank me. <laughs> it's like, you know, that's, that's refined cruelty right there. <laughs> but she would, that was very smart though. It was very smart because it's like, okay, you yourself are acknowledging that you have to be punished, right? So with children, that's a very good idea to, to kind of bring it up to their level and say, well, what do you think should happen now if, if this was done? Well, you, you ought to be punished. But it's important to not have passion, especially if, if it's not their fault, you know, with little children, sometimes they do crazy things, stupid things, and we need to realize, okay, that's, that's just it and, and I have to deal with it. Um, something else that is very important here, I think my notes are too reduced. I was thinking of more things yesterday. What about teenagers? When it comes to teenagers, your passion will come up and, and sometimes that's a good thing. Um, when I was working with kids, you know, you, you definitely get a little bit of a, of a, remorse, you know, when you realize I got angry, you know, or they notice that I was angry. Say, for example, I'll give you a, a quick example. Let's say that you're talking with a grown-up or something and, and they come and interrupt you very rudely and you turn on and snap at them and go like, I'm talking right now, can't you see? Just don't interrupt me right now. And then you feel bad about it and you go like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Yes, you should control your passions. But here's a consoling thought. That, that's something that God puts in there also so that your children learn the lesson because your passion is a tool. So what I mean to say is this, because of those interactions, teenagers learn, oh, that was inappropriate. I should not do that because I'm gonna get yelled at, right? 
Well, if that passion wasn't there, that message might not click. So well, I mean, what I'm saying right now is, yes, control your passions as much as you can. But if, if it comes up, sometimes be consoled about that thought. God put that, puts that interaction there so that your child learns, learns to behave in society. You notice this very clearly when you see children that don't have their dad or their mom at home because they're lacking that. And uh, you've probably met children here and there that, that they have no idea of social skills or of social you know, manners. They'll come and interrupt. You're talking to them, they turn away. All these kind of things is because no one ever yelled at them or snapped back at them when they were doing it in a daily, day-to-day -day basis. So your passion is a tool, and that's how you should use it. Knowing this, when you have to deal with teenagers, you control your passion, you sit down, you let it rest, and then you can come and use your passion. Now controlled. You know, uh, this is not so necessary with, with women, you know, with young girls. Usually with them, they're more emotional, so with them, words suffice. With young boys, and this, this is especially for, for dads, sometimes they need the strength. And I experienced that myself, that sometimes I would go to the boy and say, listen, this is wrong, I want you to do this and that, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, yeah, boom, and they just go out and do the exact same thing that they were doing. And, and I would do it one and again and again until I came to the real, realization they need to get the message. So I remember the first time I yelled after like eight years of never yelling because I was in the monastery. I was in the monastery, I was quite protected. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember it because it was like for eight years I had not raised my voice. And there was this situation with a boy that, that I had given him the order several times. He would not listen. I gave him the order right there in front of me. He did not listen. He started putting it, making a bowl of uh, cereal and that was the Hulk coming out and it was like I'm telling you to do this right now I'm not gonna repeat it again and the message got across but here's the thing because they knew that I controlled my passions usually hopefully when that happened it was like whoa I, I, I really did something bad so that's that's how you use your passions Something else that comes to correction. Uh, when we're talking with little children, you don't have to explain so much. You know, keep it simple, keep it a very basic in their words. It's bad, it's good, it's wrong, that's it. You don't need to know more. Uh, there, there will be a few exceptions. When it comes to teenagers, you will find that yourself that you need to explain some things. But as you do this, I don't want this to become this is not a matter of convincing you, right? I, I don't need to convince you, like this is what's going to happen. But I explain it to you so that you know why it's happening. And I'll say why. Uh, there's an example that I was thinking of. And, and I'll, I'll come back to that. Imagine, for example, that you're trying to convince your, your girl, your young girl, to be modest. And if you just say, no, this is what you're going to wear because, well, that, that's not going to click on her. She needs to know why. And most importantly, she needs to know why it's good for her, for herself. The same applies for young men. You know, I can tell a young man, I'm going to take away your phone. And that's my rule and that's my house. And, and that, that doesn't cut it. You actually have to explain to them why is this wrong? Why is this not good for you? That's not a condition for the thing to happen. 
but it's something that you should definitely do. Here's something that I want to throw out, out there, and this is, uh, this is something that my, my parents practice. I'm not, I, I, when I say these things, I don't want to put anyone as a perfect example. There's no perfect example. Each family has their own dynamics. It's just good ideas. You could give me good ideas. I'm sure you have many. I'm just giving you the ones I know. My mother had a thing where she always tried to keep open a channel of communication with her children. And that was very important. Like, I, I knew that I could come and talk to her of anything, literally anything. And rather than a consequence, it was first advice, help you. I mean, if you come to me, I will help you. If I find out of what you did, that's when you get in trouble. And that applies a lot with teenagers. You know, I would literally, and I'm going to say this uh, in public, I would literally tell my mother everything. And I remember one time my, my brother heard me talking to her, and he was he told me, "Are you crazy? How can you tell her that?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm I'm getting assistance. I'm getting help." The funny thing is, my parents trusted me more than any other brother because they knew that I would just peel the beans for everything. <laughs> so. I had no worries, like I could go out and, and to give you an idea, and, and I don't know if I should say this, but you know, I, I'll, I will. I smoked, I used to smoke, uh, you know, it's when I was younger. And I remember the first time I smoked, I must have been over 18. And I came back home and my mother said, did you smoke? And I said, yes. You're not supposed to tell me that, she said. <laughs> what do you want me to say? And then she, she, you know, gave me a lecture, and, and I never became an addict, an addict, thanks be to God and to her. But that, I had that confidence with her. And as a mother, you do want to open that confidence. Don't feel bad. This is very important, too. Don't feel bad if that's not with the dad. The modern society has this idea that the dad should be all feelings, and the dad should be, you know, always talking to the children and playing with them. That, that's not true. I don't think that's true. Yes, he should be there. But he is an authority, and when you are an authority, you have to have some distance, always. There's just no way around it. And I only, to be honest with you, I only understand this now when I'm 37, 38 years old. Because I used to look at my dad, and my dad, he was always there with us, he, he took trip with us and everything, but he always was at a distance. You know, I remember that, that, that he would not come and, and be goofy with us. And that was very helpful because he was an authority that was unquestionable. Like when, when he spoke, everybody sips it. Nowadays, that's more different. That, that, that's, that's difficult to get because men don't have that idea anymore. That's why we went to get the, the men's class as well. But as a mother, you know, what I'm saying is don't feel bad if you don't see the father doing those things because that's not his place. He can be there. He can talk to them. But he, he comes at a different level. Okay? Any questions so far? No? Okay. Give me comments too. If, you, if there's a comment that you were like, Father, then, you know, that's not true. Just <laughs> feel free to do it. Did you have a question? No? No. Um, I don't have a question, but I do have a, a comment, like on the consolation piece that you talked about. Because I do think that it's different when you're reprimanding a child that, you know, is at your kneecap than one that's like at eye level or taller. Uh -huh. You know, and I think that uh, that makes a lot of difference. Like with my daughter, sometimes, you know, I'm I'll think to myself, I'm like, are we about to start fighting? Yeah. You know, because she's angry and I'm angry, you know, and yeah. so I think that uh, it's uh, it's good to know that, obviously not going overboard, but, you know, to having that capacity where it's like, I need to make my, 
my uh, message be known. You yeah. know? And so I think I appreciate that. And there's something that is very useful when that happens. When you get, I've been in that situation where you're arguing with a teenager and you're literally feeling your arm moving. It's like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> And here's what I did in that situation. I was, this was, uh, there was a young man that I was talking to, and I was telling him, you have to obey with this and that. Again, obedience was always the issue. And he was very angry. He was like, no. And then I actually, I had, let's call it the rest of the family around. And I said to everyone, everybody leaves right now. That's very important. And this is a topic actually that, that is very important. When you have all your children around, and one of them is causing scandal, when one of them is giving bad example, Nothing wrong with saying, everybody go to your rooms because I have to deal with this situation right now. And I don't want you to see this because it's a bad example. That really puts you to shame when you're a child. And it's a good way because, you know, it's, okay, let's make, let's reduce the scale of this conflict. Let's not get everyone stressed out. I'm just going to deal with you right now. And that's what I did in that situation. You might, again, you might challenge my ideas if you want to. Um, I won't get offended. And with this guy, we were angry, both of them. And, and I was so angry, and I'm, my hand was like this. But here's, I, I told him that. You know, we were doing it, and I asked him, why do you think I'm arguing with you? Because you hate me. It's like, yeah, it's like, I mean, I could just walk away from you. And I told him, listen, it would be a lot easier for me, a lot easier to just let you do what you want and go to my room and do what I want to do. I don't have any reason why I have to go through this trouble. But I'm going through this trouble because I want you to learn those things. I want you to change those things. Look at my hand, and I showed him my hand. I don't like this, I told him. I don't like to be stressed out. And I just want, think of this, what do I gain from confronting you? Because it would be very easy for me to just go and watch TV and let you do whatever you want. But if I'm confronting you, it's because I have to, because of you. So it's a good, the point is, it's a very good idea to let them know I don't like being stressed out. I'm very angry, and this is not something I enjoy. You know, you probably say it with a different tone of voice, but you know, <laughs> you're using your passions. Um, I have a I have a question mm -hmm. on the piece that you just said that you know the father is kind of like detached when it comes to um, feelings. I guess if that's the word to use, but there uh, shouldn't there be some type of um, that they should have like emotional capacity for some things because I've seen some dads that are very like they're very authoritative and all but they're cold you know mm -hmm. like their their relationship with their children is like non-existent almost you know mm -hmm. because because of how tough and firm he is like shouldn't there be like a balance of like still you know telling your kids that you love them and you know stuff like that like there has to be a balance right there's a balance of course yeah you know the the the, the way to know is the dad represents our Lord Jesus Christ, and the mother represents the church, and that's how they should behave. And so what I'm saying is our Lord Jesus Christ never came down to the apostles and joked with them and played with them as we see in some you know, modern shows. He was in a place of authority. But at the, on the other hand, he was always careful to supply for their needs, spiritually, mentally, physically, all those things. And that's the job of the father. So he shouldn't descend to the level of playing around with the children and I'm saying, I say that in a broad aspect. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with to get that playing. But he shouldn't descend to their level to be immature with them. But at the same time, he should make sure that they're being supplied for in all those aspects. So, but that's for the, for the dad's show, though. 
there's one more thing that I want, well, there's several things. Another point, we should not delay correction. This is very important too. I, gave, I said that when you're angry, you delay it, you cool off, and, and, and you handle it. But there's the complementary part of that is never delay out of cowardice. And this I say it, I, I experienced it in myself, that's how I know it. Because especially with teenagers, and when there has been a conflict before, there comes a moment where you go and you see it, and you say to yourself, I don't want to go through that right now, I'm going to do it later. And you just chicken out. And that should never be a reason to delay the, the correction. Why do I say this? Let me give you an example. Modesty. Let's say again that your girl wears a skirt and you see her leave the house and then out of the window when she gets into the car you see that she pulls up her skirt. Which I didn't know that was a thing, but I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually saw it. Uh, your reaction might be uh, I'm not going to get into that trouble right now. I'm, I'm not going to get into that. I'll do it later. The problem if you do that though is, first, you, you're missing the, the currency, the actuality of the moment, right? If you come and bring it up later, she's going to be like, well, why didn't you say that before? Or, you know, I mean, why do you bring this up right now? It seems like you're just resented, blah, 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 blah. At that moment, that's, that's where you go and, and get the courage and go and do it. And you go out of the car and, and you say, uh, out of the house, and you say, oh, oh hold on. She's not going to be able to go with you today, I'm sorry. You pull her in and you handle the whole crisis and the atomic bomb blows up to you. <laughs> Which it would if you do that. But the thing is, at the, at the moment, at the beginning of the problem, that's where you have to correct it because otherwise it becomes a lot more difficult, right? Say, for example, a young man, and you realize that he saw something he shouldn't see, or that he's been exposed to content that is bad, or that he's using a phone or a TV or something in a bad way. And I, I want to go to real realistic examples, you know, like things that actually happen in real life, because that's what I think is useful. Those are the kind of things that you can't put in books. And you might say to yourself, oh, I'm not sure if I want to get there. You know, it's kind of embarrassing. I, I, I don't want to deal with that problem. No, at the moment you realize, at that moment you go and you talk to them and you, you correct the problem as it needs to be corrected. Sometimes you'll need the, the dad as well in there. But the point to be made is, don't let it go. Don't correct it. Out, excuse me, don't delay. Out of cowardice, you face it. And here I want to remind you something. Your motherhood is your vocation to sanctity and sanctity hurts. There's just no way around that. Sanctity hurts. And that these are the moments where you, where you become, and I, I say this actually, I'm not saying this as a joke, it sounds like a joke, but I say it without true. This is a moment where you become a martyr as a mother. Because I can tell you, I, I feel it, my, I felt it myself, that's your heart ripping apart. But those moments are incredibly meritorious in the eyes of God. And that is what you do. That, that is, those are going to be your crowns in heaven, that you did those things. Here's another point that is very important. Take yourself, this, is, this applies especially with teenagers. I, I see gloomy faces, I'm sorry. <laughs> don't, don't be troubled about the past. Just, uh, we better work with the future. This is a point that is super important with teenagers and adults. Take yourself out of the picture when you're correcting. I explain. We were talking about the passion. 
when you have a teenager or an adult that has been an issue for several time for a long time uh, there is certainly feelings in there especially as a mother you know that that is the most sensitive feelings that you can have and you can get very emotional and very personal and you have to avoid the personal part of it when when you have to argue for example let's say the girl with the skirt and, and I'm pointing to the window over there <laughs> uh, you could bring her in and say to her I've told you several times that you were this and that and you're you know going behind my back and this and that but you know these are my rules and this is my house and you are a cepeda and you're never going to be seen like this blah 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 all you put in there is a bunch of me 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 and this is a problem related to me and so you should be angry at me that's what you're telling to the, your teenage child and so it's very important to take yourself out of the picture entirely like you are not there and 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 I I want to clarify this. It's not because you don't, you are not entitled to. You would be entitled to be personally involved. Of course you are, because you are the mother. But the thing is, you want to avoid that because the message gets blurry for them. And what they need is the very clear message. If I tell my daughter that is wearing the skirt like that, all those things, the message got all blurry. And all she got was something that is wrong, but then there's all this emotional stuff around it. They're teenagers. Their brains are not fully developed. This is an, a scientific fact. And I've experienced it with uh, several instances. Um, I'll tell you one story later. So they need to get the message as clear as possible, as, as free of clutter as possible. And so you want to get yourself out of the picture and say, listen, what you're doing right now is wrong. You know that it's wrong. It's against the law of God. Obviously, it can lead you to hell, and that's terrible. But also, is causing you to be disrespected by other people, is going to cause other people to see you in the wrong light, is going to cause you to make wrong decisions that are going to affect your life, that are going to have consequences for your life, for all your life. And because of all these things, I cannot permit it. And that message got really clear. It's about you. It's about your own good. That's why I'm forbidding it. I'm out of the picture. And there, she might still get angry and go, ah, you hate me, I hate you, bam, slam the door. <laughs> you can be totally tranquil and say to yourself, you'll go by, I didn't do anything wrong, I did my duty. But she got the message, and that message is going to come back, it will come back. Um, while I'm on this topic, how you come across and how you explain things to your children, especially teenagers and adults, is very useful to have that mindset of always bringing it down to their interests. This is something that I tell to people a lot. If you come, for example, that example again, if you come and tell to your daughter, it's scandal, you know, father so-and-so said this and that, all these terms that are in religious terms, that's perfectly fine, she should understand it, in reality, she will rarely understand that. So you have to get down to her level and t say to her, you don't want this because it affects you, because it's bad for you. In the temporal level, it's bad for you. And then once that message clicks, then you bring it up to the supernatural. And of course you want to save your soul, and you want to go to heaven, to go to hell. That way you open the door, you got in there, and now you can bring the full message. Am I making myself clear? Okay, I'm sorry if my pronunciation is a little bit thick today, but uh, I, I probably like, I'm lacking some sleep.
Okay. Another topic, another thing that we need to do. When we correct our children, whether they're young, uh, you know, babies or toddlers or, or older, it's very important to be consistent. To, to be consistent with everyone so that all the children get corrected for the same things. And to be consistent in always correcting what I need to correct and never let it go. As I say these things, I don't want to be entirely absolute, right? I mean, uh, and don't take it as an absolute, because you know in real life, if you have had children and you're raising them, you know that life is very, very much unplanned. And you know, how many times it's happened that you make a schedule for yourself, or you say to yourself, I'm gonna change this, and we're gonna start doing that, and then the next day is like, <laughs> your husband comes and says, we're gonna do a trip today to who knows where for three days, and all the plans just went out. Or, and that's not his fault, it's just because that's, that's life, right? It's happened to me a lot several times. But what I'm saying is, is just guidelines so that you kind of know what things to take care of. I'm saying be consistent. And for this, it's very important to have determined from before what your rules are going to be. Again, most of you maybe are, are not in the place where you would worry about that. But if you have toddlers, for example, and from the beginning you think to yourself, what do I want my children to do for the next 15 years of their lives in my house? And I even write it down. And that way I can say, okay, this is what I need to correct consistently. Say, I want my children to do their beds every morning. Okay, I write it down. I want my children to never answer to me in a bad manner or to their, their dad in a bad manner. And I gotta write it down and all those things. And so I, I gotta keep that in mind so that I know when this happens, it needs to be corrected always firmly, consistently. Um, I remember in my house, you know, again, uh, just, I just give that example because that's the one I know the most. Uh, you would not answer badly to your mom or your dad. Obviously it happens because, you know, you're teenagers or whatever, but you would get slapped. I mean, <coughs> inspirationally stopped suddenly putting your mouth in your mouth. <laughs> Uh, and that was just the thing, so uh, eventually you come clear to the fact that I don't do that because it's consistently enforced. So it has to be consistent. The same applies for teenagers. When you have teenagers, so the first section, right, the, when they're children, the next section is when they're teenagers. There you also have to have your written rules, so to speak, of what I want my children to do from the 15 years older to the 25 or whatever. How they're going to date, when are they allowed to go, what time they're supposed to come home, all these things. And you have to have them clear yourself so that you can give them to them. Because it's unfair if you get angry at your child because he arrived at midnight when you never told them what time to arrive. If you said, you know, get back home early. They're like, well, midnight is early. I mean, you know, all my friends are getting back home like at four, so I'm, I'm pretty early, you know. I remember one time a certain person I knew uh, had a boyfriend. It was a, a, girlfriend, a girl that had a boyfriend. I have to say it now because people are going to think I'm thinking about myself. It was my sister had a boyfriend. I have two sisters, so you can't know which one it was. Uh, and the man was very, very, very decent very decent man, you know, uh, very good Catholic, shy, very respectful, you know, decent man. No one had any complaints about him. One day, they arrived home like at, I don't know, 10, 
It was, it was early because I was still awake, but it was later than my dad probably had told them, I don't know. And I, my dad is a big guy. Some of you have seen my, my dad when he came. He was bigger before. <laughs> so I was in my room and I just hear, they're still outside, they're in the car, they're coming in. What do you think about my, my daughter, this and this and that? You don't do this again. No, sir, sir, I'm sorry. Get inside the house. What? That did not get inside the house right now. And I was just like, whoa, <laughs> that's interesting. And he brought the boyfriend inside the house to the living room, and I just heard for like 30 minutes, you never do this again. You know, I was just, I was laughing up there, obviously, but yes, sir. Yes, sir. I promise, sir. Yes, sir. Of course. I will be back here on time next time, sir. Holy remedy. Holy remedy. That never happened again, to my knowledge. Uh, but it was very consistent, right? I mean, it was like, you arrive at this time, and, and, and when it happens, again, don't be coward, and don't be lazy. You correct it right there, and then. I'll give you an example, uh, something that I want to mention as well. When you make up these rules, when you make up this, these guidelines for yourself, a temptation that might come to a mother or a father, it came to me, is I want to make life easy for my children. I don't want to give them so many duties, I don't want to give them so many stuff. I'll sacrifice myself and I'll work for them, right? And I had this myself. I real, I, I, when I was taking care of the Border Boys, I remember that many times I would come and I would say, well, they, they're tired, they've been studying, all this stuff. I'm going to go and plow the snow for them. I'm going to go and wash the dishes for them. You guys rest in here. And eventually, at one point, I realized you are starving them. You're taking away from them what's building up their character. Yes, it's a very good idea that you want to sacrifice, but the thing is, that's their food right now. It's not your food, right? I have my duties. They have their duties. They have to do them. And that, they need that to build their character. That's the food of their soul. And that was a huge revelation to me, that duty is the food of your soul. And when you deprive your children or your teenager, uh, teenagers of their duty, for any reason whatsoever, you are starving them. You're not giving them food that they need for their soul. And that's why when you have that temptation as a parent to say, I'm going to make life easier for them, I'm not going to give them so many chores, scratch that and say to yourself, they're going to get chores, they're going to get to work, they're going to get to do all these things. Obviously, I'm saying that with the proper balance, right? We want to have balance in all those things. But that is, that is important. I'll give you an example of an actual thing that happened in, in when I was a border, a border master. Not a border master, but helping out. The boys had to plow snow, and it was a very hard work to plow snow. It's like a parking lot like this big. We didn't have a plow truck. We all went to plow with shovels, which was a good experience of purgatory. Uh, <laughs> And so the boys, uh, you know, uh, the boys have found that hard, obviously. But at one point I realized, man, these guys are building character right now. And you would see it. And, and when we would get them to work, you would see the boys getting into groups together, coming up with stuff because, you know, they want to get out of there. So they would come up with, like, uh, making a huge plow, man-powered plow, and just moving it themselves, things like that. And I would get the temptation many times to say, don't wake up early, I'll go and do this stuff. And then I realized... You know what happened later? They would be even more lazy, and they would say, oh, he's going to do it. So I just deprived them of that food. No, you guys wake up early and you go to work. And I know that's hard, but it's very useful. Think, it, think of it like that.
Okay, I'm almost done with the talk, I promise. Once I get an AC, we'll maybe do a longer one. But there's two questions that will come up, especially if you have you know, grown children already. One is, what do you do when you have many children? You know, because when you have many children, you know it, it's hard to come up with a rule and say, oh yes, yeah, magically gonna happen, right? Uh, I'm gonna tell them all to do their bets and they all will start doing their bets. The first thing is, there's nothing wrong with delegating to your older children, you know, saying, asking them to help with this and that and asking them to help with the younger siblings. And uh, all of you who have experience can correct me if I'm wrong. You can tell them, you know, the older ones, okay, you're gonna take care of making sure that all your siblings do their beds and you're gonna take care of making sure that, you know, they're doing the dishes here and there, the older ones. Now there is a good way to do this and a bad way, and this is important. The good way is when you delegate little things here and there and you rotate it and you give them what they can take because they're teenagers, they can only take so much. So when you see that they're ready for a, for a responsibility, you give them some, okay? That's a good way to do it. The bad way to do it is when you grab your older and you just dump it all on them. And you go, okay, you're gonna take care of, your of the children and you're gonna you know, make sure that every day switch diapers and all this stuff and that. What's gonna happen is you're gonna overload that kid and then they're not gonna want to deal with that ever again in their lives. So it's very important to make that distinction. It's okay to delegate, but only so much. Don't ever delegate the full responsibility to them. Another question. And this is, this is a very important question and probably it deserves a whole topic. What if I've never done this before? What if I'm listening to this right now and I have already 16, 17, 18 year olds and they're already a problem to me? And, and how can I enforce this now? The worst idea you could have is to come to the dinner table one day, if they're even there, and, and say, bam, from now on things are gonna change in this house. We're gonna start doing our dishes, we're gonna start doing our beds, and you guys are all gonna be punished if you don't do these things. Everything's gonna change from now on. Good luck with that, that's not gonna happen. They're all gonna walk out of you. Uh, out, is that how you say it, out of you? Or out? Walk out of the room? Or? Yeah, like walk out of the room. And again, door slamming, right? <laughs> um, if you have never done this and your children are grown, I think I might be wrong. The only way to do it is one by one, the rules, applying the rules one by one. And this is actually in a book that I read recently. You go and talk to them and you say to them, we need to change some things. We need to improve these things for your own good. We need to do it. And we're going to start with this thing, this one thing. Say, you guys are gonna do your bed every morning. If you don't do your bed in the morning, this is gonna be the punishment. Very clear. This is the action, this is the consequence. We're gonna start with that. And you go with that and the first couple of days, they won't do it, you punish, then they don't do it again, you punish and so forth, until you get to the point where that is established rule, where everybody knows that that's just what you do and there's nothing about it new, they're comfortable in that level, then you bring the new rule, the next one. And the first, I'll be honest, the first couple of times that you do the new rule, they're gonna be like, what, another one? This is crazy, this and that. It doesn't matter. After a while, they realize, okay, this is something that's gonna happen and I just deal with it and, and they'll take it. You know, if, if it's reasonable things, of course. 
So that's, that's very important to know because sometimes we are kind of like overwhelmed and we see the problems are pretty big and I'm like, how do I even correct this? You gotta go one rule at a time, but be very consistent with that rule, very disciplined, that every day you do what you need to do. Any questions so far or comments? No? Yes? How do you, what, how do you punish a 17, 18 year old? <laughs> Cut the video right now. <laughs> How do you punish a 17-year-old? That's actually, that's a good question, and it's actually the next point. Me neither. <laughs> well, they have sex these days. So when my when my daughter like abused her phone, I took the phone. That yeah, was like that didn't stop nothing. Oh, the, my daughter, that was awful. Well, my, <laughs> mine was 17 before. So you could mm -hmm. uh, ground them, and when she turned 18, she just looked at me and she said, I'm 18, you can't tell me what to do. That's actually one of the, that's one of the greatest trouble problems that we have in society today, and, and I'll be honest, I dealt with that, because when we were with the Border Boys, you can't punish them, they're not your children, so it's like, and they don't have their phones, <laughs> so it's like, they have nothing to lose, uh, but... Uh, that's where we need to pray to the Holy Ghost and gain, gain, gain wisdom to see how we deal with them. And I'll cover that. That's the next point, actually. This is going to be the controversial part where I get canceled, probably. Um, <laughs> and this is a good question. Do I get physical? Do we do physical punishment? And, and to this question, there is a lot of uh, snap judgment, I would say, on both parts. The people that don't punish physically their children, they'll snap judge the other ones and say, well, you guys, you're not smart enough to figure it out without punishing or whatever. And the other guys that punish physically their children, you know, I'm saying obviously in a very mild way, I'm not saying anything serious, uh, like a couple slaps or, or spankings. They'll say, well, you guys are liberal and you know, you're taking it too soft with your children. And there's two factors that we need to understand Every family is different. There can be a family that does no physical punishment whatsoever and they get fine. And there's a, another family that maybe does physical punishment because they have to, and that's fine too, depending. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously saying nothing that hurts the child. I'm just saying you know, it's kind of a symbolic thing almost. But why, why does it need to be different? There's two factors that we need to consider. One is the temperament of the child. That's where those questions come a lot. There are some children that you cannot get the message across other than that way. And especially for, for boys sometimes. There are boys that are very rowdy, that don't have very, a very intellectual character. And if you explain to them things over and over again, it will not get across until they get a little bit of an inspirational slap in the back, a little bit in the lower back. Uh, <laughs> then they, they realize, oh, that's what, that was bad. I cannot do it. So. In some cases, you have to. And I say also the family, because if in your family, you have that one child that is very physical, that is not very intellectual, and that only understands that language, well, you'll have to go with the other ones too. Because you can go like, well, I'll slap you, but the other guys, I'll talk to you. It's like, <laughs> that wouldn't work. We get slapped, I mean, we get slapped in the back. You know, as, as I say, it's always symbolical. If you take it to the point where it's actually hurting the child or where you're venting out, that would be wrong, definitely wrong. But it, in our case, it was symbolic. You're going to get slapped. It was barely anything, but you know, it, it hurt a little bit, and, and that gets the message across. And I'll tell you a funny story. And uh, I'll just, I won't say who, but one of the siblings, 
decided to put layers. <laughs> they knew they were gonna get punished, so they put a bunch of layers. And, uh, and the other sibling was like making fun of that sibling. <laughs> and when they were to be punished, something happened there, they argued with, with my dad that the one with layers didn't even get spanked. <laughs> and, and still was crying. <laughs> and the other one, the other one got it. There was another one, uh, one of the siblings also that whenever my dad would come and you know he was gonna spank one of us, he, uh, this person would go into the wall just like this and go like, wait, wait for me, wait for me, wait for me dad, let me explain. <laughs> and, and it was so, it was so funny to see that, that my dad would start laughing and eventually he'll be like, oh, forget about it. <laughs> so there are ways, there are good ways to get out of it. Um, Negotiation, yes. But uh, as a parent, if you can get along without doing it, without getting you know, into physical you know, punishment, that's fine, you know, that, that's totally fine. If, if you see a child that is very physical and that, that, is, that has a very strong temper, sometimes that's the way to do it. And that's very good because they need to have consequences. Now the question is, what do you do when they're teenagers? What do you do when they're 17, 18 years old? You have to figure out something, and, and the point is not so much, at that age, is not so much to punish them, but to get the message across. If you can get the message across, then that, that will be enough. But say, uh, the main way is always to take out privileges, you know, to say, okay, well, this you don't get anymore, that you don't get anymore. Uh, but a lot of times even that doesn't work if they don't have any privilege or anything like that. And so in those cases, what you can do is, is pray for them and try to talk to them. And I'll be entirely honest here, because I want, as I always say, I want to bring all the information so that they have it, who needs it. That's why it's so important to address these things when they're younger. Because if you, if you tame them when they're younger, then when they're older, you have some, some leverage. But if you miss the boat after 13, 14 years old, it's almost impossible, like all, all you have is prayer at that, at that time. And it's hard to listen to, but it's the truth. As I say that, however, and I'm almost done with the talk, how long have we been talking? I have no way to tell. Um, prayer, I always tell moms, is almost omnipotent when it comes to mothers. If you pray for your child and you don't cease to pray for your child, you can rest assured he will come around. If it's at the last time of his life or her life, they will come around. But it's, it's absolutely almost infallible. Like the, I've never seen it fail. If, if the mother prays continuously. And I'm an example of that. You know, I'm an example. I was totally going the opposite direction. And my mother was praying and praying and praying. And she was the one that got me where I am. Hopefully, where, you know, in following my vocation. So you can be assured that your prayers will be very, very useful. And as we say this, also, make sure that you always keep to the truth, that you never yield in that. When you have adult children, older children, you say what it is. You say what it is, and if they reject you, and if they don't like you, whatever, it doesn't matter. You got to stay, as I always say, you got to stay firm in the truth so that they have somewhere to go back to. If you bend, if you yield, then they have nowhere to go back to. But as long as they know that this is what my mom and my dad always said, even if it's at their deathbed, they will remember that's what I needed to do. And they'll change to that. 
Okay, so just for legal purposes, I am not advocating for any kind of physical punishment of children. <laughs> uh, again, some inspirational slaps maybe. Any questions so far? Yes. I don't have a question. I just have something that I like to share with the group. Um, so I have a 20-year-old daughter. I only have a daughter and a son. Um, so with my daughter, when it comes to responsibilities, right, like you say, she does work. Even though it's part-time, she goes to school, so she has a lot of homework. So one of the things that I do on her days off, I make a list of responsibilities. I said, okay, there are eight things that we need to get done. We can do half and half. And if you're feeling very, very generous, you can take the majority of them and I'll just do two. Yeah. And I think it kind of works that I'm giving her the option of which ones she wants to do. And mm. eventually, you know, she'll be like, oh, I have time, it's my day off, I'll get them all done. And I mean, these are simple things that, you know, vacuuming the living room, mopping, sweeping. And those are things that I can do. It doesn't cost me anything. But mm -hmm. she's 20 years old and I feel like if... If I don't find a way for her to be included and engaged, it's so easily she could be like, well, you know, I'm tired and I need to go to work and, you know, and then it becomes a habit then. Yeah. So that's been working for both of us. And again, she'll be 21 and we haven't had any problems. We do have disagreements and that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, uh, another thing that I just learned from you is that <laughs> when I tell her about things, right, it's all about me. This mm -hmm. is my house, these are my rules, this is how you're going to do it. And I've mm -hmm. done that for 20 years of her life. Thank goodness it's worked for me, but mm -hmm. I see now where you're coming from. And I think that's something that I need to implement with my son. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, he's out of the house, he has his own family, but I think that's something that I can implement. So, thank you. Yeah, and I, and I want to make that clear. Don't, I don't want anyone to take this like, Father said that, so I have to change everything that I've been doing so far. No, it's like, if it's working for you, that's good. I'm giving you kind of guidelines. And you take those guidelines and apply them to your life as, as they fit. Uh, the important thing is that you get them to, do the, to keep the commandments, to not sin, to be respectful to their mom, to be respectful to their dad. And I'll mention one last thing. You know, what, another thing that we can do when they're 17, 18, 20 years old and they're a problem or they're, they're having problems. This is a topic that is very delicate and, and I think is necessary to say, but it's true. Not all of us have the same talents. And sometimes one might see, I'm not able to bring this message across to my child. I don't have those words or I don't have that, that ability to talk like that. And it's important as a father, even as a priest, to recognize your limitations and say, I need someone else to jump in here for me. I realized this when we were board, uh, helping with the Border Boys, there was myself and Father Selner, and, and I wasn't a priest yet. And that message got a, came to my mind, I realized he has stuff that I don't have. I just, I can't do it, I don't have that ability. I have stuff that he doesn't have. But it, that, that's, that's a very useful thing to know when, okay, I don't have that ability, then I have to have, find someone to supply. So in our case, he was the one that had the power of authority. I just couldn't come across with the voice powerfully enough. He did. I had to, as I said, I had to repeat and repeat and repeat the things for them to do it. They, he came and he was like, get out and do this. And, and I'd be like, I just told him that like 20 times. And it was kind of funny because he was the father figure and I was the mother figure in there. So I'm going to get him to do the Christian father's talks. Um, but that's, so sometimes if you realize 
I don't have this ability, I don't have this, this power to, to explain these things to my child, there's nothing wrong with finding someone else to do so. And sometimes that helps a lot too, because then it's, it's not my dad or my mom telling me these things. It's actually someone else that I respect. And this is an extreme measure, but it works. Sometimes it really helps to bring the priest in. I was telling this to a, a lady from Mexico who was having trouble with her child. And I told her, get the priest in, sit them all together, and then ask the priest in front of your child, Father, am I allowed, let's say, for example, am I allowed to give to my child a smartphone so that he keeps it to himself? Why and why not? And then the priest says, no, you're not allowed because this and this and this and that. And it's like, it's not me. You see, the priest is telling us that. And that really helps because then he's going to say, oh, well, like, he understands it, right? And so when, when you have problems like that, a lot of times it helps to bring in a priest to talk to them. That, that's very true. And when my daughter was 16, I went looking for help. And there was no help. Yeah. There, if there's no good priest, if there's no good doctor, if yeah. there's no good authority, you still have to just get through it. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's why our responsibility is so great because we do have to do that. I do want to mention one thing before I forget. Uh, I forgot it already. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, you're fine. And I'll piggyback off of, you know, just saying, asking for help. Sometimes, like, with my daughter, if she wants to do something that I don't want, you know, and I'll be like, okay, well, go ask Father. If he says yes, then I'll say yes, too. So, you know, I'm like, okay, well, go. If he, you know... That's kind of like, cheating, though, but... Because <laughs> <laughs> if we're already, like, bumping heads, or I'm like, no, I said no, I'm like, why? Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, fine, go ask Father, and if he says yes, I'll say yes. Yeah. <laughs> now I know. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I think I remember what I was going to say. This is, a very, this is one of those lines that, as a parent, you want to remember. I don't have an option. I don't have the option to give you that permission. You know, if, I, if a child comes and asks me, why dad, mom and dad, can I go with my friends on, you know, on a beach trip for three days? No. Why not? You know, you don't like me at all. It's like, these are my only friends. I'm going to lose them and the whole world is going to crumble upon me. <laughs> and you just say to them, I have no choice. I don't have the option to give you that permission. It's either, don't give him that, for me, it's either don't give him that permission or go to hell. I don't want to go to hell, so that's the only thing I can tell you. But it's not an option that I have to tell you, oh yeah, go ahead and do drugs. That's, that's not an option. Like for me, it's only don't do drugs. And so for your children, that, that, that makes a lot of sense, I hope. When you can tell them, listen, this is not my decision. It's like you're asking me something that I don't have a power to decide. I can only tell you the one answer that doesn't lead me to hell. And to bring the example, it's like with a priest. If you come to a priest and you ask, oh, Father, can I divorce and remarry? It's not like I can give you an option. I, I can't give you an option. There's just one answer. Or, Father, uh, can, I go to, can I become Lutheran? I can't give you any answer. There is a, I, you're asking me something that I don't have a choice to do. I, there's only one answer to that. And so for your children, that's a good answer. I don't have an option in this. I can only give you one answer. Or go to hell. So, and if I go to hell, you go to hell with me. So that, that would be even worse. <laughs> Imagine if you don't want to be with me right now. <laughs> for all eternity. <laughs> 
I'm gonna start a sitcom for mothers. Okay. And any questions so far? No? Okay. Well, this topic will continue the next time. Hopefully, we will discuss how to change and what things we need to change in the way of thinking of our children. You know, when, it, for example, depression, anger, despair, uh, music, movies, all that kind of stuff. Hopefully, we can discuss that too. Technology, Technology is a big deal. Yeah, it's, it's, you guys are being mothers in one of the worst times in the world probably so well all the times are, are difficult so but look at the bright side you can become saints I'll, I was gonna end with that correction is an act of mercy it's an act of love when you correct it's an act of mercy remember to, to correct I don't know how you say it in English but to correct the one that is in error the one that makes mistakes uh, that's an act of mercy when you correct your children every time that you do even if there's spanking involved you're doing an act of love towards them and I want to end with that. Every time that you have to correct your child, bring to your heart all the motherly love that you can and correct with that. Because that's who you are. You're a source of love for your family. And again, you represent the Church of Christ, which is the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary as well. And so when you come across to your child, come across to them as our Lord Jesus Christ would talk to them, as our Blessed Mother would talk to them. You know, there was a story of St. Alphonsus. I was going to finish, and I, I didn't. <laughs> there was a, a number of priests in St. Alphonsus' congregation that betrayed him. They started making a group to get out and start another congregation. And, and they were being very proud, and they were trying to get all the seminarians involved. And I mean, you can imagine how you would react if you're the founder of the congregation. And it's very, it's, you know... It gives you the chills to think about it when they came to San Afonso's and they said to them, we're leaving this congregation, we hate this place, and blah, 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 blah. He knelt down, being the superior, he knelt down and grabbed them by the arms and said, please don't do this. Please, I beg you, don't do this. You're going to lose your soul. I don't want you to lose your soul. He was crying, begging on his knees, being the authority, just telling them, I beg you, don't do this because you will lose your soul. That should be our spirit when we correct our children. It's not so much, I'm angry and I'm getting back at you. It's, it should be, I love you with all my heart. I would give my whole soul for you. I would die for you. If you gave me right now the opportunity to die so that you could go to heaven, I would die so that you would go to heaven. That's how much I love you and that's how you correct without pouring all that love out. If it be yelling, screaming or, or spanking, but that's how you have to do it. And if you don't find it in yourself, ask it of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. You know, if you find yourself like really bitter about it, ask our Lord and remember He died on the cross and talk to your child as if you were Jesus Christ dying on the cross for Him and you're telling Him, I cannot let you lose your soul because that's all I care about. And that should be our spirit when we correct. We'll end with a prayer. And this is in page 14. <clears throat> In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Is the second paragraph. O Jesus, eternal word of the Father, Thou hast said, Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. We thank Thee for allowing us to listen once more to the words of spiritual instruction. Assist us by Thy grace carefully to preserve them, and devoutly to live according to their holy teaching that we may thus become pleasing to Thee in this world and enjoy Thee eternally in the next, 
who with the Father and the Holy Ghost liveth and reigneth, one God, world without end. Amen. We all pray this prayer. O Mary, Immaculate Virgin and Sorrowful Mother, intercede for our children with the divine heart of Jesus, thy Son, who refuses nothing to his mother. Holy Guardian Angels, Saint Joachim, Saint John, much beloved precursor of our Lord, Saint Joseph, powerful patron, Saint Augustine, Saint Anne, Mother of the Blessed Virgin, Saint Rose of Lima, Saint Monica, all ye holy fathers and mothers, pray for them and for us. All ye holy children, pray for them and for us. Amen. The priest, O God, who has given us some of the blessed in heaven as special patrons, grant in thy mercy that we and our children, through the merits of the same and of all thy saints, may receive the help of which we stand in need, and practice the virtues taught us by their example. May we, our Lord, may we, O Lord, through the honor we pay them, become worthy of thy good pleasure and sharing their powerful intercession through Christ our Lord. Let us pray for the absent, for the sick and suffering members of the Confraternity. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Let us pray for the children of the members of the Confraternity. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Let us pray for the deceased members of the confraternity. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. Amen. Let us pray for the grace of a happy death for that member of the confraternity who will be next to die. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Let us pray for the intentions especially recommended to our prayers. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Let us pray for the intentions of all the members of the confraternity. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Let us pray, the priest. O sweet Lord Jesus Christ, for the love of thy most sacred heart, we beseech thee to have pity upon all whom we have recommended to thy mercy, and to aid them with thy grace, who livest and reignest with God the Father and the Holy Ghost, forever and ever. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As Prayer for the children, all. Look, O most holy Mother of our Lord, upon the great number of children, who through the fault and negligence of their parents, strain the path of iniquity and vice, have mercy on so many poor young souls, who might be saved, but who will not, either because their mothers are ignorant of their duties or unwilling to fulfill them. Remember the bitter passion and cruel death endured by thy divine Son for those poor children. Permit not that this great love, his infinite merits, be lost to them. For the sake of that keenest of all sorts that pierced thy tender heart when you stood at the foot of the cross, 
Obtain for those erring mothers the grace of their vocation. Obtain likewise for their children the spirit of obedience and grateful love, that the desires of the sweet heart of Jesus may be fulfilled by both parents and children. Amen. Prayer for the Edge Confraternity. O glorious Queen of heaven and earth, Thou art the chosen patroness of all Christian mothers. Bless then the confraternity, may it spread far and wide. Obtain, we beseech thee, that all mothers may seek protection in its bosom, and under its guidance become perfectly what thou would have them and what they ought to be. Truly Christian mothers, thine images and worthy representatives with their children. O thou most pure, most compassionate mother of the divine Savior, and of all the children of the Heavenly Father who have been regenerated in the Holy Sacrament of Baptism. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> o Mary, my mother, to thee do I flee. Thy heart is so gentle, so loving, so mild. O Mary, my mother, I'm longing to see that heaven of glory, so purely thine own. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. If you stay kneeling, I'll give you my blessing. Benedictio Dei Omnipotentis, Patris et Fili et Spiritus Sancti, descendat super vos, et manet semper. Amen. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you, Father.